When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the 2022 season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! The rookie and a Cincinnati low snap. Looks to throw. Does throw. Complete across the middle. Ball's loose. Ball's loose. And the Saints have it. The Saints have it. A wrap of week 15 in the Superdome. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. Inside Black and Gold on a winning Addition, yes, we are excited, Ooh. Jeff, to talk about this team snapping their skid, coming off the bye week, and taking down the hated Falcons. Yes, thank goodness. I don't know if I could have dealt with another loss, especially if they lost it in the way that they looked like they were about to lose it. Um, but for once, for one time, all season, and even in this game, it was like, man, this team is so close to like getting that put-away play, right? That put-away play, that put-away play never comes, right? You think you have it. With Alante Taylor interception, it gets overturned. You think you you have it so many times. It's like this is just isn't working. But today that that turnover happened, and it happened at a very opportune time. And you know, you're gonna look back at this game and say, man, this was a close game. And people are gonna be like, man, the Saints got taken to taken to the woodshed by a rookie again. Well, it wasn't a rookie quarterback that took him to the woodshed. It was a rookie nope. running back that took him to the woodshed. Right. Desmond Ritter didn't even crack 100 yards passing. Um, so we can get we can get into more of that, but. You know, the Saints just needed to win a game, and they did. And, you know, we can talk all the trash we want about how the season sucks and how you got to do this and this. You got to clean house wherever you want. You needed to win this game to feel any sort of positivity, and they did. And I don't care. I get it. They didn't run away with it. They should have won this going away, and they didn't. But, man, it feels good to watch a team win a football game for once. Yeah, kind of lame, too. The Saints won the game, but they didn't cover. Woof. They didn't cover. You're right. It was a four and a half point spread, but uh, I think Saints fans are, are okay. I'm not. I'm not really a gambler, but I wanted to put some money on this when I was tempted, and then I was like, "What are you doing? Thinking about putting money on the Saints?" So I did not. Glad I glad I didn't, but I know it's a bad beat for a lot of folks uh, that did. And yeah, it was kind of scary at the end. Like we're we're really not going to go through this again, are we? Yeah, Saints should have won this game by ten points, right? Easily, like easily, right. easily. And I blame David Johnson for that, but. You know, we're going to get into a lot of that. We're going to go on a rant here, but we're also going to get in the second segment, we're going to get into a mailbag after we kind of go through what we kind of witnessed in this game. But the first thing I want to point out is the thing that probably, and it feels like this got under so underappreciated in another game, which was the Seahawks game, is, you know, when you make a concerted effort to get Alvin Kamara involved, good things happen. Mm. And so I asked, I asked uh, DA about that 
after the game, and here's what he said. You know, Alvin, the last few weeks, has been, you know, limited in his involvement. Was there kind of a concerted effort to get him touches today? Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and touches in a few different ways. And I think we got to continue to try to figure out creative ways to, you know, get him the ball and do some things with him and, um, you know, let him affect the game. Yeah, so 21 carries, 91 yards, 4.3 yards per carry, two catches for 13 yards. I don't know how creative you got, but I'm okay with that. I just want to see him get featured, and that is what happened. And, you know, there's a guy sitting next to me up here after the, you know, on that closeout drive when they got the first down with Taysom Hill. And then he was like, man, why don't they just keep doing that? Why don't they just keep running Taysom Hill out there and, and give him the ball and make him stop it? And I was like, in this case... I don't mind as long as Alvin Kamara is the guy who gets the ball. Anybody else, I agree with you. You are not taking Taysom Hill off and running some sort of weird offense where you get cute. You are either running Taysom Hill or you are running Alvin Kamara. And on that play, Alvin Kamara got a first down on first down. And that won you the game in the sense that it made it so the Falcons had no chance, right? Like from that point, you did not, you were not successful. In, in the sense that you really wanted to close out that game with the ball in your hands and you did give it back to them. You fumbled on that fourth and one snap, but I, I do agree with the decision to go for it rather than kick it because the only way that goes against you is if you miss a field goal and give them the ball at like the 40 as opposed to giving them the ball at their own 28 with nine seconds left on the clock. They're, you're not scoring naturally from there. You're only scoring on a free play. And so even with a fumble, like the worst possible scenario with the play you ran, it was a good result, and uh, I just think it's really nice to see this team be able to close out a game on its own terms, and that's what they did despite having to kind of stress for a couple plays there at the end. Yeah, and I mean, I think we talked about this, you know, getting the playmakers more involved, Alvin Kamara, Taysom Hill. Hey, the man, Rashid Shahid, he is legit, folks. And, yeah, once again, you know, I'm impressed of, with what he's able to do already as a rookie. Was really just looked at as a return man, but has, you know, flexed those muscles in the offense where I want to see more there too, obviously. Snap back to throw is Taysom. Looks, throws deep across the middle. It is wide open, and that's going to be Shahid. Rashid Shaspeed. Touchdown. 68 <laughs> yards. That's the first time I heard that call. I did not hear it live. And I cannot endorse Rashid to speed. I just can't. I can't get on board with it. I'm sorry, Mike. I hate to break it to you. No. <laughs> Rashid to speed. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but, uh, for, for what he's been doing in the offense, though, um, Shahid, it's, it's to me really impressive, like I said, just because of the fact that he was really looked at just as a return guy in my mind. And I didn't think he'd get acclimated so quickly in this offense. No, I didn't either. And like when you look at the trajectory of this team and the things that have gone well, and yeah, I know no one wants to talk about it, but there are good things about this team that you're yes. gonna that you're going to push forward. This is going to be the same team in 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 effect in terms of you're gonna take the good pieces and you're gonna try to work them into a system that that is improving and that is getting better and that has an upward trajectory, just like the Falcons did this year. You know, the Falcons. They suck today, but they improved year over year, and that's what you have to do if you're the Saints, right? And you look at guys like Chris Olave, Jawan Johnson, Rashid Shahid, not Rashid Shahid, and you see like the ability. They have a lot invested in the offensive line, a lot of good players along the offensive line. You don't have a young running back 
that's one of my biggest critiques is you do need to get younger at that position. But when you look at the offense as a whole, you can see the development ready to happen. And it's just a question of do you, can you upgrade at the quarterback position, right? And once you do that, things are going to look a lot different. And then it's not to criticize Andy Dalton. He is playing well. He's just not a not a top echelon quarterback at this point in his career, right? And so, but you look at it and it's like there are there are a lot of positive things you can take out of this game. But I did t- ask Andy Dalton what Rashid does so well on those plays. And uh, here's what he said. You know, just going back to Rashid a little bit. Obviously, you didn't throw the bomb to him today, but you've hit him in, on deep balls in the past. You know, what does he do specifically that, that makes him so effective on those type, type of plays? He runs really fast. <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, that's one thing that we knew from the beginning when he when he got here and when he started to um, to run around, you could see his speed. And we've had opportunities to take some deep shots with him, and he's come down with a lot of them. He does run fast, um, but you know what? I was hoping he might give us some insight there about is you know it's it's not just speed on those balls. He just has the ability to kind of glide. You know, early in the off season, I I kind of remarked, and this was long before we saw him in any preseason action because we never did. You know, it was just based on how I saw him kind of moving around is like he and Chris Olave have a lot of similar traits in terms of just how they're able to move like they glide. They never look like they're going fast, but they're flying. And he's just, you know, he has those long strides. He's just able to get out. And yes, as Andy put it, he runs really fast <laughs> and it's he just catches you like you, you, you can't match his speed because of the way he's able to accelerate in such a smooth fashion. And, you know, I also asked, you know, I have a lot of clips here. I also asked Rashid about one thing that really strikes me about that play is it's something we've seen before, right? We have seen that play run for Deontay Hardy in the past, right? And one of the difficulties in throwing Deontay Hardy downfield, your only option is to put it out in front of him and let him run under it. In this case, you didn't. He was able to just get it out and he kind of caught it, caught it in stride, but it kind of caught him. And, you know, Rashid's a bigger dude. Rashid is a bigger target. So he's able to get it over the target and he's able to just catch it. And uh, here's what he had to say there. Yeah, Rashid, sorry to keep asking a question about that one play, but I'm curious, you know, when Taysom's in there kind of running that play mm-hmm. and you kind of sense that the defenders are kind of peeking in, you know, kind of just waiting to see, yeah. oh, no, he's going to pull this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when Taysom's in the backfield, you know, all eyes are on Taysom. Um, they got to be, you know, he that's just the player he is. And um, uh, I feel like Pete did a great job, you know, no, uh, realizing that and um you know when the play was called that it, it was the look exactly so worked out great and so like that's if you're a fast guy you gotta love playing with Taysom Hill in those sets because the defenders have no chance they either have to they either have to sell out completely over the top which they can't because Taysom Hill is always a threat to run or they have to peek in and like kind of wait and wait and wait in the second you wait Rashid is by you. And that's what happened on that play. And, you know, when that play works, it's like, man, why do we do this all the time? <laughs> but, you know, it, it was a good, a very good way to start. This is the first time since Christmas Day 2020 that the Saints have scored touchdowns on their first two possessions of a game. That's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And now, then they didn't score again for the rest of the first half. <laughs> Another guy that's been impressive, too. You know, we said it hasn't been all bad this year. The return of Jawan Johnson. And, man, did he make a statement in his first game back seven touchdown receptions this season it <laughs> by far leads the team right like, we all saw that coming right yeah and uh i, I talked to him too yeah. and Juwan, i don't even have a question for this i just want to say this stat out loud you have 48 career catches 
11 of them have been for touchdowns. Mm -hmm. You know, at, at what point is this just like, okay, this is my part of the field. I'm going to own this part of the field. Mm. Well, I try to own the whole field. The whole field. I mean, that's just that's just me. I don't know if that was your answer or not. Was it? Oh, okay. Snarky. But um, I mean, every time when I try to go on the field, I mean, I just try to. Uh, I'm just in attack mode, and right when we get to the red zone, I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is it. This got to be for six. Whereas for anybody, I mean, that's just like our mindset, and our mindset's got to be because you know, if you if you score touchdowns in the red zone, you're going pretty far in the season. You're going pretty far uh, in the playoff race. So. Um, just being really efficient in the red zone, something that we kind of harp on a lot. So we do red zone on Fridays, and, you know, Fridays are, are the big days. It is this weird dynamic where everyone likes to clown my questions and then they give me good answers. The sec two times in these press conferences. And, you know, well, he runs fast, <laughs> and then he gives me an answer. I want to own the whole field, and then he gives me the answer. Anyway, I, I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe it's my face. Um, but, no, it's like 48 <laughs> career catches. 11 of them have for t been for touchdowns. Hey, y'all. This is Jeff Nowak. Uh, quick note, recording this after the actual podcast. This stat is slightly incorrect. I omitted the four catches Juwan had in his rookie season when he was a tight end. So technically, 52 catches in his career. Still uh, pretty good. But So these numbers are slightly off. Same premise applies, slightly off. All right, back to the podcast. That means that one out of every four of Jawan Johnson's catches in his career, which you're, you've got a real sample size at this point, have gone for touchdowns. That's remarkable, right? That means if you had 100 catches in a season, 25 of them or 23 of them would be – that would be 23 touchdowns. That, that's obviously impossible to do. Well, not impossible, but it'd probably be an NFL record. I was going to uh, say we're getting like Travis Kelsey numbers over here. Gronk. I don't even think <laughs> Travis Kelsey reaches that, but I think Gronk does have the record for receiving touchdowns for tight ends. Um, but yeah, I think Randy Moss, like that's Randy Moss record setting territory. Like yeah. that is an insane clip. And it's like, obviously with volume, that'll go down, but it's still kind of, it's really drives home. Like this guy has been elite in the scoring area of the field. And that's the area of the field you have to be elite in to win games, you know? And like that makes you money as and a year, year two, year two as a tight end. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like, yeah, Technically, you know, honestly, he might have that number might be skewed. I, I that's the last two seasons. I don't know if maybe he had a catch or two in 2020. Um, you know, I don't know if he did. I think he might have got he had a couple targets. I don't know if he had a catch, but yeah, he is just growing into that role. And that's he's another one of those guys, right? You look at these players who, okay, what's what's this team's identity going to be next year? Because yeah, okay, the Saints have a glimmer of hope. The Bengals aren't doing them any favors right now. They're down six, no, 17, right? to, 17 to six to the Bucks. But, you know, you have a glimmer of hope for this postseason. But at the end of the day, the, the takeaways from this game, the takeaways from the final three games aren't going to be, oh, man, well, we have a chance to make the playoffs. They're going to be, where does this team look to? Where does this team go next year and beyond? And guys like Jawan, guys like Chris, guys like Rashid, not Shaspeed. Um, those are going to be the guys that that kind of are bring you out of this funk, bring you to the level where you're expecting to win 10, 12, 13 games again. Because I don't think you're that far away. You just need to make the right moves, and you're going to be right there. And you can see flashes of it. You really can. And this game, I think, was was really good and a really good indicator of that. Yeah, and I, I know how, like early on in the season, I kind of joked that like Jawan Johnson was – your garbage time touchdown guy, but he's definitely evolved into a lot more than that, obviously. And clearly 
one of Dalton's favorite targets. Definitely in the red zone. Yeah. And, and on third and long, you know, the money downs, right? Like the first drive of this game, first three downs, you ended up in third and nine. Juwan Johnson catches a 14-yard pass, picks up the first down, keeps the drive going. Final play of this of that first drive, third and nine. Juwan Johnson catches a 19-yard touchdown pass where he stretches into the end zone. And his answer about that play was actually really good. Juwan, could you talk about your first touchdown? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just honestly, it was just a simple shallow cross. I was bumping, uh, you know, their end. And they kind of just got out. I'm sure it was a busted coverage, but, you know, um, nobody covered me. And I just tried to, I just, well, as, as they say, I just tried to get freaky. So I tried to do my thing. Um, uh, I tried to do my thing. I'm, it's not too many times I'm in the open field. So, you know, I just tried to get into the end zone. Get freaky, he did. The freak, Jawan Johnson. No, and, and it was it was a great play. He stretched it into the end zone. They didn't give him the touchdown right away. You know, I've, I had someone on Twitter point out that it's like, it's the type of play where it's really annoying that it wasn't called a touchdown because it's that close. And at best, you're guessing, right? At best, you're guessing that he's down. But the thing is, all scoring plays are reviewed. Right. So it's a situation. It's kind of like with a fumble. If you're not sure, let it play out. Because if it's a fumble, it's automatically reviewed anyway. If you force the team to challenge, you don't have unlimited challenges. So it's you're putting that one team at a disadvantage because you're wrong. And that's what happened there. And the Saints had to challenge. Obviously, they got it. It was one of the quickest reviews I've ever seen. Yes. Like, I, I was just about to send a tweet out being like, this might be tough because I'm not sure if you're going to have the right angle down the, down the goal line. And by the time the tweet sent, they had overturned it. Or they had, yeah, they had overturned it to a touchdown. I'm like, how? What? It must have been one of those expedited reviews. But it's like, if it's yeah. that obvious then why wasn't it called right on the field? And why did the Saints have to waste a challenge? Now, in today's NFL, you're rarely going to run out of challenges because so many plays are automatically reviewed. But it is kind of silly that this, that even had to happen. On the flip side of that, the uh, Alante Taylor you know, ended up not being an interception. That took forever to review. And that's, that's what got me nervous. It's like, uh-oh, well, this one's taking too long. Okay, I have I have feelings about reviews specifically. I think that there should be a minimum speed that you should have to review a play at because I am tired of seeing plays slowed down to like one, one hundred speed. And so a guy who's like literally switching hands with the ball, suddenly that's, that's not control. You don't have control because it's, it'd be like if you're watching somebody run in one hundredth of a speed, someone running is flying. Seriously, because you're off the ground for so long. There's no way he's just running. He's literally flying through the air. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So if I just run, watch it at normal speed, it's literally one stride. Oh, cool. Great. So, but if you slow down someone changing hands with the ball to one on hundred speed, yeah, that ball's flying through the air of its own accord. No, he's literally switching hands. That's a natural play with the ball. And you're taking it away on this. Just, it's like, that's not what replay should be for. It shouldn't be to like make sure that, oh, if I was a, a robot, <laughs> I could have seen that. If you can't see it in real time, it shouldn't be something like physically can't see it. Like literally, if you're watching that play, you would have never called it incomplete. So, yeah, I, I was wondering on that. Was it because of the ball being, quote unquote, loose or did he not get the foot in? Both. Both. Okay. So what happened was he had the ball. He had it kind of loose in his left hand, but he had it. He had it under control. And then he kind of changed hands with it. But they, you would deem that, oh, well, he didn't have complete control of it with his left hand. But like the process of catching it, it's under control. 
Yeah. And so if you're watching that at real speed, 10 times out of 10, you're calling that a complete catch, right? A complete interception. And so by the time he got his third foot down, he had the ball, but that was out of bounds, right? So that's where you were like, well, he didn't have complete control. But like, again, the point of replay shouldn't be to overturn calls that would be called one way 10 times out of 10, right? Because if you're watching it in real time, you're going to call that a catch. But at one 100 speed, you might be able to identify a little slight bobble, right? It should be to overturn egregious and obvious errors, which is why I think there should be like maybe half speed is the slowest you can put it at to make a decision. Because if you're refereeing a game one way when it's happening live, why are we refereeing a game completely differently? And the calls that are happening are completely different when we're replaying it. How does that make sense? So like if the play was never replayed, you would have never changed it. You would have been like, yeah, okay, that was right. But because you have the ability to do it, you're changing it. But it's kind of like if you watch a basketball game, and this happened in the NCAA tournament championship game, Texas Tech and Virginia, right? The <laughs> I don't know why. This kind of stuck in my head. Virginia player, it's the Italian dude, I don't remember his name. He's going down the floor. And in basketball, there's kind of this standing agreement that if you get fouled and the ball gets knocked out of your hands, a lot of times the ref isn't going to call the foul, but he's going to give you the ball. Because you, it wouldn't have gone out of bounds unless you got fouled. And so, like, yeah, maybe the ball is knocked off you last, but you can't call a foul every time that happens. So it's kind of just like this out of bounds, take it, go. But when you start replaying it, and I don't know if the NCAA still does this, but at that point, in the final two minutes of a half, they allowed you to replay every everything. So the replay only allows you to change whether it was off this guy or off that guy. But in an instance where you're blatantly fouled, <laughs> the ball goes off you. So you then lose the ball because you got fouled and they missed that call, but they like see it going like grazing off your pink. And suddenly that's the call that gets made. But the issue is for 36 minutes of the game, you call it one way. And for four minutes of the game, you call it differently. And that's not how replay should be instituted. And I just, I just think replay ruins the game. It really does. And this is a long rant that I don't need to go on. I just hate it so much. I hate that great plays are turned into nothing. Because that was a great play by a rookie who has never had an interception. It would have been a first career interception. And instead, it's overturned So because you're standing on the sideline staring at it for 20 minutes in like frame-by-frame analysis. That's not what football is, right? It's just bad. It just seems all around just with the it's NFL. Bad, and a bad product. It's not fun to watch that. No, we, we've talked about, too, you know, the, obviously the roughing the passer issues. Yeah, that's, that's a whole a, other animal. Yeah, What's a pass? What's not a pass? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty frustrating. And I don't I don't even know if the answer is full time referees, if that's going to solve everything. No, it, but it's not. But like the, the call on the field was correct because that's right. the call any human with eyeballs would have made because you're not a robot who can slow stuff down. Right. So either you allow like slow-mo to be making all the calls right it's like it's like if you're talking about baseball we still have humans calling balls and strikes we could easily say robots do your thing and they would get it right 100 of the time but we allow for that human element right we don't allow you to challenge balls and strikes because yeah this guy has his own strike zone he's going to call it how he calls it and in this case it's like if we just let it go we're going to let the humans do it but if for whatever reason we want to challenge it we're going to let the robots do it and then we're playing a different sport And that's annoying as hell to me. And it's like, all I want to see is exciting plays. I want to see diving catches, right? I want to see that play be a real play because it's a great play. And instead, it's this obnoxious fucking dissection 
of sorry for cursing of like the most obnoxious part we of the game on here uh, i don't know it, it bothers I, I me the 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 devil's advocate part of that is you could say at least they're getting the call quote unquote correct yeah but yeah i, I know like yeah it's a good argument and you're like okay isn't the goal to get all the calls correct and right. i would say to to a point right within a margin of error because if you just leave that call and just play on no one's complaining the other team isn't like oh but i slowed it down to one 100 speed and i could see that you know he might have followed it for you know one millisecond like, no one's making that assessment because it goes both ways you're just calling it the way that you would see it as a human anyway this rant has gone on way too long well, they, they didn't want to give the saints too many turnovers today it's just annoying because that's a massive play in that game <laughs> it's a massive play in that game and you're penalizing a team that the team that made the error is benefiting from this like ridiculous ridiculous ability that like technology has given us and we just haven't thought about how it ruins the game of football because like that's not a, that's that's not a play that if you're if 20 years ago before you know we had all this these cameras and all this ability that's an interception 100 out of 100 times now it's not and that's that's wrong to me that's wrong uh that's anyway like See, for example it's if, unfortunate they can't correct the terrible not pass interference right, call. Right, right, right. We don't get the stupid shit. Right? <laughs> we get that. We get that. And like, I don't even know if that would have gotten challenged if you didn't automatically review everything. Because it was like, I, I mean, I don't know. It's annoying. I, I, I'm going to stop ranting because this was a good game by the Saints in a lot of areas. That bugs me not only because they overturned it, but because like the result of it was a long Falcons drive for a touchdown. And it's the second time this season that Alante Taylor has been screwed over by a call that was questionable at best in a, on a play that would have given the Saints clear momentum. The other one was in almost virtually the same situation against Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers, and they called the, the weakest defensive illegal contact penalty I've ever seen. And then the 49ers went in and scored. I think it might have got a field goal uh, on that drive, and the Saints didn't score in that game. <laughs> but anyway, that might've been that wild catch in the back of the end zone by the Niners. Well, the <laughs> so <laughs> two things happened in this game. That was almost a shot for shot remake of that Niners game. The one was the, the Alante Taylor interception that was overturned yet. Instead of being overturned by review that time was, it was negated by a penalty. And the other one was in the Niners game, Tyron Matthew tipped that ball up and Juwan Jennings caught it in the back of the end zone. And in this game, Desmond Ritter, who had a, who wasn't good, Let's be clear. This idea that the Saints struggle against rookie quarterbacks, he had 91 yards passing. Give me a break. Like this, this can we stop talking about that? This whole idea that they struggle against rookie quarterbacks? Oh, um, yeah, the 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 rookie uh, running back was a different story. Tyler Algar, yeah, he, he yeah. had a massive game. It was the first time since 2017 that a opposing running back went over 100 yards rushing at the Superdome, which is kind of crazy to think about. Wow, that is um, a great stat. Well, yeah. not for today, but you know what I mean. Well, no, I mean it's it tells you how how rare that type of game is. Right. And they were dedicated to the run, so it makes sense. But so the other the other play that I was talking about, so you remember the Tyron Matthew one? It almost happened again because that gift wrapped interception that Alante Taylor kind of had tip off his hands, and you know it was a tough catch, but he should have made it, and it probably would have been a pick six. Olamide Zacchaeus, if I said that correctly, he could have caught that, and that could have been a touchdown. It was it was this close to being a shot for shot remake of like. Oh, that should have been a pick. Instead, it's a touchdown. Oh, a little bit of vomit, vomit yeah. material right there. And the Saints ended up holding for a field goal, but you know, if they lose this game, if if this the end of this game goes differently and they lose, if they don't get that interception and this goes to overtime, 
man, you're looking at that play and you're like, oh, that was such a huge swing in this game. <laughs> no, and I'll, and I'll say it looked like Alante could have easily had three interceptions on the, in this game. Yeah, that first one he should have had, no question. You know, you can tell by his reaction that he feels that way. Um, <laughs> that second one was tough. Yeah. Um, that third one he caught, in my opinion. That's an interception. I don't care what the refs say. Um, so now he's but, got four almost interceptions this year? At least. At least. <laughs> and uh, here's what DA had to say about Alante after the game. He shows up every day with his hard hat on, ready to go to work. And um, he listens to his coaches, and he tries to do it exactly the way that he's being coached to do it. Um, and he works extremely hard on studying the opponent and, and knowing kind of the things to anticipate. And so, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for guys that, that you know, want to, they want to be coached. They want to do it the right way. They want to play hard. They want to work hard. And he does that. And it's no, it's, it's not a surprise that he's able to go out and execute on Sundays because um, he puts in the preparation. Yeah. And the other thing he said was he feels bad for him because he's making a lot of great plays. It's just not getting credit for the great plays, right? Like they're just not that little bit. But, uh, you know, Bradley Roby said this too. We don't have it, the clip from him, but he said that, you know, they're messing around with him on the sideline, like they're clowning him a little bit. But at the end of the day, the fact that he's putting himself in the situations that he's putting himself in, they're going to come eventually. And once you start catching them, they're going to come in bunches. And, you know, he's one of those players that, you know, you talk about on offense, all these like really high perspective type players. And, you know, the way he's playing and the way Paulson Debo played across from him and, you know, the way that trio played with Bradley Roby taking a lot of snaps in the slot, you know, that's really good. Yeah, they, they were very good today. Like, granted, against a rookie quarterback. And uh, let's just run through some of the stats first before we kind of get into break and go to that mailbag. So Rashid Shahid was the leading receiver, three catches, 95 yards. Jawan Johnson, four catches, 67 yards, two touchdowns. Rashid Shahid also had a touchdown. Chris Alave, three catches, 53 yards. Alvin Kamara, two catches, 13 yards. Adam Prentice, one catch for three yards, which was the first down. And that's it. You know, you didn't you didn't get a ton of passing today. Nothing, um, nothing from Dalton. Yeah, Andy Dalton, 11 for 17, 151 yards, two touchdowns. And then Taysom Hill, two for two for 80 yards and a touchdown. That's pretty um, good. And then on the other side, Desmond Ritter, 13 for 26, 97 yards. So, I mean, not a lot of passing yards in this game, but the Saints did run for 132, 33 yards. Alvin Kamara, 21 rushes for 91. Taysom, 7 for 30. I thought he had a really good game in that regard. David Johnson, 4 for 12, and that really bad fumble um, that really killed all your – I think the Saints were going to win this game in a blowout, and then that fumble happened, and it allowed the Falcons to stick around. And then Andy Dalton, two carries for one yard. As we mentioned, Tyler Allgaier, 17 carries for 139 yards and a touchdown. He averaged 8.2 yards per carry. That's like all, all pro over here. I, I'm still saying his name. I'm Tyler Algier. Cordero Patterson, 14 for 52 and a touchdown. Desmond yeah. Ritter, six for 38, which I, I, I thought he did some good things today, but he did not stress the Saints defense whatsoever with his No, yeah, definitely. Then Caleb Huntley, one, one carry for two yards. Felipe Franks. Felipe Franks got his token one carry for zero yards, which just I, it makes me chuckle every time they try to use him as Taysom Hill. Receiving, Drake London had a nice game, despite, you know, Desmond Ritter had 97 yards passing. 70 of those went to Drake London. Seven catches for 70 yards. Yeah. And that terrible fumble at the worst possible moment. Some guy named Pruitt, I don't even know these guys' names, passed him. So I'm not even going to mention him. But, you know, <laughs> so if you want to look at the positives for the Falcons, Desmond Ritter and Drake London had a really good connection. And that's going to be one that you want to see expand. 
Um, and I think Desmond Ritter has some better days ahead of him. But the Saints needed to make a rookie look like a rookie today, and I think they did. Most definitely. And, yeah, I was really surprised the fact that, I guess, Algier, his big game and the lack of really what Corderell Patterson did. I You know, he did have the touchdown, obviously. But for the most part, the Saints kind of kept him in check. Yeah, but, you know, when they needed to stop him, they didn't. You know, I think that, that was earlier in the game that they stopped him on short yardage a lot. But, like, late in the game, they got run over. I mean, they allowed how many rushing yards in this game? 231 rushing yards Yeah, against a team with a rookie quarterback. You know, like, that's uh, – that you knew was going to try to run the ball a lot. It's not a great look. But, like, I think the secondary really balled out today, personally. Marcus May, I thought, had a good game. Tyron Matthew, everyone keeps trying to trash Tyron Matthew. I thought he was excellent today. He got called for one of the worst defensive pass interference penalties you'll see um, on a play that was a great play. Paulson Adebo, you really didn't hear his name much at all, which that's a good thing for a defensive Except back. Except for the pass interference. The penalties. In the oh, game. in the end zone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because it was a hold, and then they nullified it down here. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But yeah, Alante Taylor got a pass interference penalty called on him, too. That was a weird one because it happened like 20 yards before the catch point. It was yeah. only an 11-yard pass interference penalty. It's probably the shortest pass interference penalty you'll ever see. <laughs> and the and But the catch was attempted at like the 40. So I don't know how you can interfere that early and not have it be illegal contact. But hey, there's good news. The Bucks are trying to give away this lead. But all right, we've ranted here. Let's cut this off and go to the mailbag, unless you have something else you want to say, Steve. No, just uh, happy that we're doing a winning podcast. Agree, agree. All right, you're listening to Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. A lot of comments in there. We're going to go to a quick break, and I'll star as many of them as I can, and we'll get to them right on the other side of this picture. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. Going to hit a quick mailbag. Steve, I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. And Steve, there's good news and bad news. The bad news is we don't have a ton of people in here. The good news is they've been very active in the chat. We have a lot nice. of comments and questions. So first, Jerry G. Poria Jr. is always here and always always saying nice things. We swept the Falcons. Yeah, so I don't even know if I mentioned this in the front end. But like this is what I wrote about in my in my quick observations after the game. You can see it on WWL if you want. Is I don't care what happens this season. As a Saints fan, you should always be able to celebrate a sweep of the Falcons. Preach. Like, think about it this way. This is probably the worst season you can remember. And you know, if you can go back to 2005, you can go back to you know the mid 90s, whatever you want to do. But I mean, in your in terms of like being able to really remember it, you know, like it's yesterday. Yeah, Uh, this is the worst season you're going to be able to recall for quite some time. And even then, even in at the lowest of the lows, (laughs) you could still sweep the Falcons. And there's something to be said for that. Like any reasonable troll where you don't have to reach for it, like the Falcons always try to do is worth its weight in gold. Right. It's why this shy Tuttle stiff arm, even in this game, in this season. They they gave they let Shy Tuttle do the hoot at and they played the stiff arm the Thanksgiving stiff arm of Matt Ryan and that is one hundred percent like I'm on board with it because t- trolls in this rivalry are worth almost as much as a win and uh, you know this was this was a good win it was a win you needed to like feel good about yourself and you could tell this team those guys went up there for the interviews and I will tell you right now that they were it was like you know a ton of bricks came off their shoulders like. They needed they needed this and they wanted this and they got it. It was definitely needed in the worst way. And I, I kind of laughed when we had 
um, one of the Atlanta guests come on our podcast and was like, he didn't understand like why we keep trolling them, especially about 28 to three. And it's like, well, because we can. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I tried not to give him too much of a hard time, but like, it's like, really, you don't get it. <laughs> right. I, you know, if you're the Falcons, I would start trolling Matt Ryan. <laughs> right. It's him. It's all his fault. Next time, next time someone says 28, three, I'd be like, yeah, go look at 33, nothing. Um, <laughs> So uh, Matt Ryan's wife, I don't know her first name, um, but like she tweeted uh, after so the World Cup ended, obviously, in penalty kicks like right before the game started. And she tweeted like, man, what a great game. Make you forget anything about something crazy that might have happened yesterday. Wow. <laughs> no, I thought it was funny. It was a good joke. If you can't make fun of yourself, who are you going to make fun of? And that's and that's the thing is the Saints in this rivalry are able to be self-deprecating and they understand how to do it. The Falcons and their social media team specifically do not, and they don't get it. It doesn't compute, and that's why they're bad at it. Um, and uh, I give the Saints a lot of credit for that because they do it well. No, and, and what I laugh too is like when they want to get hurtful and mean, all of a sudden like someone will bring up uh, uh, Katrina, and it's like, no, nah, yeah. you, you can't you can't hurt me with that. They miss all the time. Right, totally. And the Saints never miss uh, in that regard, even when they're bad. Field no, guys, 316. That's our highlight right now, for sure. Third and one needs to be AK or Taysom. No passes, no Dalton sneaks. You know, I think you got to counter at some point, but I agree, like, you're overcomplicating this a lot of the time. I don't think Andy Dalton is very good at sneaks, and I really don't want to see him. But at the same time, Taysom <laughs> didn't get that first down on third and one or fourth and one. So that wasn't great either. I do think that to an extent, the Saints got screwed there a little bit because that spot, mm, I wasn't sure about it. And then they never measured it. DA said that he was hoping for a measurement there and they didn't get it. And I was like, I agree. Like, why weren't you measuring that? Like, it was at least close enough to, so you can know how much you need, right? Like part of it is like, even if you don't, even if you know you didn't get it, a measurement helps you identify how far you have to go because that helps you decide what your play is. And I thought it was strange that they didn't measure that either. But, you know, no harm, no foul. No, there's definitely those – there's tons of puzzling moments with the referees and the Saints. It's an awful relationship, and I don't know how we how we remedy that at all because I feel like that's something that's been around for – even before the Nola no call, there was obviously issues with referees. But, I, I mean, I feel like you can say that for any team, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, a lot of t- – I mean, the Vikings had a gripe yesterday, right? Like, I think – I don't think it's intentional. I think a lot in a lot of instances are just bad. Right, like the Vikings had a clear fumble recovery for a touchdown in that game. They didn't end up mattering because the Colts did the NFL a favor, so they didn't have to talk about it. But like that was a terrible call, right? So it's not just the Saints; it's just like the 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 moments when they happen are so mag just huge that it's magnified. Um, and you're never going to get over that no call. And never the- for sure. Joe Burrow coming up big with a TD. Oh yeah, look at that. Bucks are behind. They're the ones blowing the lead today. Oh, they fumbled. Tom Brady was just going for that little that little pitch, apparently. <laughs> I think, you know, it's funny. That's going to be a fumble on Leonard Fournette, but it was Tom Brady's fault. And uh, he wins again. All right. Field guy 316. I think the Saints were trying for the fumble ruski on that fourth and one exchange. <laughs> that would have been funny. One thing to note from this game, and I tweeted this at one point, there was a handful of bad snaps by Eric McCoy, and a lot of them were on Taysom Hill sets. There was at least two low snaps that Taysom rescued, and then that fumbled handoff there, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look, but it didn't look like it got into his hands. And I do wonder if there's a bit of rustiness there. 
especially on Tate. And you might say, well, why Taysom Hill? Why his snaps and not Andy Dalton? And it's because I think when you're Eric McCoy and you know that they're coming up field, so you have to get out of your stance real quick. Like if it's Andy Dalton, even if it's a run play, you know you have a, an extra tick to kind of set and make a block because they have to wait and see what you're doing. When it's Taysom, the, the, the nose tackle or whoever it is is going to try to get upfield as quickly as possible. They're going to try to split you. So you have to get right out of your stance. And I think that be, when you're doing that, you're more likely to send us a low snap. And his first game back, I think it got away from him a little bit. You didn't, you didn't fumble, but I said when I tweeted, I was like, that's going to be something to watch. And I think that's what kind of nipped you in that on that last exchange because he was trying to get get the ball out get up really quick and he just you know he short-armed it so that's something that you're going to want to see improve next week and beyond i was going to see it'll be interesting to see what or how mccoy ends up grading out after this game i think for the most part i don't think he had a very good game no for the most part it was not good and i don't know if he's back earlier than he should be kind of thing but he didn't seem to be really hampered by anything Falcons have a good interior rush. I think he just, you know, he's rusty. Right. He's probably a little out of shape. And I'm sure that kind of loomed a little bit late in the game. But I mean, I don't think he had any moments that were like, oh man, he's just not ready. But I think he was just, he wasn't quite as, I think he got winded a little faster than he's used to. He didn't get, he wasn't able to get places that he normally could. And I think that kind of, that kind sure, of, not a game shape kind of thing. Yeah. You got, he's going to have to play his way back into shape a little bit. But I think, you know, I think he played better than, the replacements would have. Yeah. Even Agreed. with a rusty game from him. Agreed on that point for sure. Okay. Let's get a few more here. This is, I think this is a really good point. Field guy 316, very active. We never run screens anymore. That's a bad thing with all the speed we have. We should easily gain yards in this. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think you ran a single screen today. Nope. And this, I, this whole like aberrance to screens, right? You, you just, you're not running screens and I don't get it. I really don't. Um, and we asked AK about this. He said he was going to talk to Pete about it. I don't know if he did. Going to have to follow up with him. I think he was joking. <laughs> but no, I, you know, I think the field, the play calling was good today. It was creative. And I think one thing that is clear is that when you are able to extend drives, Pete can, Pete is a lot better at getting into his bag and and doing things. It is tough to get creative when you're going three and out. And so I think that's a part of it. No, I I would totally agree with you there. And I didn't. I was going to say I don't feel like the Falcons were in any way, shape, or form, putting pressure on Andy or anybody else within the defense to make them uncomfortable. It felt like the Saints should have had more points this game. Yeah. You know, they, they, they definitely could have been a little more aggressive, I guess. For sure. What well, This is another one, Mitha Pry. Uh, we also don't have too many yak yards. You know, you have actually a lot of yak yards, but they're all Rashid Shahid and Juwan Johnson. For whatever reason... Chris Olave gets like the fewest yak yard. I, I, he has none. He never gets yak yards. Like he had one 21-yard catch today. It's 20 yards in the air and one yard on the ground. I, I don't understand it. It's it's really strange to me. He's like, if you, I looked it up a few weeks ago, and I'm sure if I looked this week, it would be the same. <laughs> he Among like the receivers, he's I, he was in the top 20. I don't know where he is right now. But like when you look at anyone over like 800 yards receiving, he'll have by far the lowest number of yak. And part of it's the way he gets open, right? He's running a lot of returns, curls. And so he, guys are driving on him and making the tackle. He's wide open when he catches the ball, but he's not able to make a guy miss. And I think that when you get into year two and year three with him, that's going to be a focus is finding ways to get him the ball where he can run with it because he can run. 
Like, he's not a guy that you would think can't make things happen after the catch. But for whatever reason, to this point in his career, he hasn't been able to do it. No, I mean, I'm just thinking about next year, if you can get Mike Thomas back, Chris Olave, and Rashid Shahid, I'll take those three receivers right there. Yeah. Here's another one. Roby had a great game. I think he did have a really good game. And, you know, he's a guy who, he'll never say this, but I don't think he loves playing this lot. Um, I think he prefers to be outside. He wants to be a ball hawk. He's talked about that in the past. But he is their best slot corner at this point. I don't know if maybe down the road, Alante is a guy who you consider moving inside. I think Paulson, his his skill set really profiles well to the slot. And I think you want to keep Alante on the outside. And when Lattimore comes back, somebody has to go in. And, you know, you obviously have the rotation and you feel perfectly fine putting Paulson on the outside. But I think down the road, what would make the most sense to me next year and beyond is Marshawn, Alante, Paulson in the slot. You know, and uh, I don't know. We haven't seen it. I haven't, I'm not sure I've ever seen him play in the slot. I just think his ability and his skill set and his, his open deal tackling ability makes sense in the slot. And uh, we'll see. But I was going to say, do you know Roby's contract offhand uh, when he signed through? I think he has one more year. I can look it okay. up. Um, he has a bunch of void years on his deal, so it's kind of confusing. Okay. Um, but more yeah. of that Kai Harley math? Exactly. All right. I got time for a few more questions here. Let's I got all the ones that I that I had starred. Let's see what we got here in the in the chat that's added in. Gary Viola says fake news. I'm not sure what that means. Saints one, Steve Schwartz. Y'all Facebookers. Yep, 2017 Bengals. Yep. Yeah, the coach can ask for a measurement, but in that instance, it's like you either got to call timeout or take a delay game. And you don't want to take a delay game. And if they're not giving you a measurement, you just kind of have to go with it. Uh, it's tough. Kevin Lee, are we one smoke Monday away from a different <laughs> season? Uh, nah, not probably not. <laughs> Although I did see smoke in the locker room a few weeks back, so he's still sticking around the team. I expect them to bring him back next year. Definitely a uh, fan favorite name and also I think amongst the media too. I mean, who yeah. doesn't love the name Smoke Monday? I mean, if they were smoking on more Mondays, it'd probably mean they were doing better. Yeah, but it would lead to more victories for sure i'm thinking of victory monday yeah yeah and this is the, this is the thing that drives you nuts if only they could have beaten the bucks they would be winning this division right now and if the bucks can't come back they're down 2017 you would be a game up Ugh, man isn't that, isn't man. that brutal isn't that just awful anyway driving that knife so frustrating it's so frustrating because this bucks team isn't good it's not good they lost thirty-five to seven to the 49ers. but no, you you think about it. Of all the games we've seen this year, the Saints play people. Uh, you could really say the 49ers, They looked like a good team that day, and even that game wasn't out of reach for them. No, they were in the 49ers territory all game. They just couldn't score. Right, right. Um, like they couldn't get in the end zone. That oh, now they're down 27 10, 17. They're down ten points with twelve minutes left, and the Bengals aren't the Saints. They're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> anyway that'd be funny like you know uh trey hendrickson puts the hit on brady and von bell ends up getting the pick yeah keeping it real who that sports podcast check it out good guys over there says marcus may played a good game a couple typos we'll, we'll live with it uh no he did I, I think marcus may has been good the last few weeks you know last three four weeks i think he's really kind of stepped up i you know i don't know if maybe the the achilles kind of took him a little while to get back from 
right? Like it, it's easy to say you're healthy, but I'm not sure it's always easy to say you are at a hundred percent, you are playing at your peak ability level. And I think the last month or so you've seen him kind of step into his own a little bit more and lay the wood on some hits. And I think Tyron Matthew too. Tyron Matthew hit some good hits today. And a lot of the Tyron Matthew truthers are, 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 are not coming out of the woodwork as often these days. Cause I think if we're going to look back at the season and be like, you know what? Tyron Matthew had a pretty good season. Like, well, not in the early beginning, not in the, the beginning. No, I think he's been fine the whole time. He's had some rough missed tackles, but so have everybody else. He might be the best player on this defense from beginning to end. Well, Pro Bowl voters would agree with you. Yeah, that's true. All right, that's it for me. Anything else you want to add, Pete? Steve? Pete? Uh, no, man. I'm just uh, going to live in this one for a while. I guess the 24-hour rule for us, too. And then we got a quick week, a short turnaround. Yep. Got one more. Keeping it real, who that sports podcast. Despite the win, problems this team has been suffering. All season are still there. We need a new OC. And, you know, I agree with that. I, I think... If you're making one major change this offseason, it is bringing in an offensive coordinator who can kind of revamp and, and kind of revitalize this offense a little bit. But at the same time, I'm not putting all this on Pete. I don't think the offense has been the reason you've been you've been you're four and nine. I but I do think that you need to you need to get a little more modern, if you will, at that at that spot. And you need a guy who's going to really command the offense. And I'm not sure Pete's that guy. He's just personality wise, I don't think he's that guy. But I, I agree with that. Um, but that's it for me. No, and just uh, with that, whoever, you know, has some, you know, interesting pieces. I don't know if we really had in mind. Obviously, everyone, Chris Olave, your first-round pick, is obviously a key offensive weapon for you. But the emergence of Rashid Shaheed and Juwan Johnson this year, I think, are pretty huge for the offense, especially we we were looking everywhere for tight end, you know, where we're going to get this production. And it was it's been Juwan. And Taysom has nine touchdowns. Yeah, if you want to consider him the tight end. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, like, this is this idiot on Twitter who keeps coming back and be like, they should have cut Taysom. He's just getting in the way of Jawan Johnson. <laughs> it was like, you, combined, they have 16 touchdowns. Taysom has nine touchdowns. Jawan has seven. How has he been getting in the way? It's nonsense. It's like anytime you're getting advice from a fantasy football person, keep in mind they are thinking about it solely from a fantasy football perspective sure. and not thinking about, well, what is this? Is this team better in this way? They're like, well, if Taysom wasn't there, then Jawan would have seven more catches. No, see, I'll, I'll say this. F the hell off. <laughs> Taysom has, I would say, vultured, if anybody, Kamara's touchdowns, not Jawan Johnson. Yeah, but as long as you're getting in the end zone, nobody cares. Sure, sure, exactly. But I'm just right. saying, like, from production wise, it's like, He's not taking them from Juwan. I'm just saying, don't listen to Fantasy Man Dan on Twitter because he's a moron. <laughs> Fantasy Man I'm Dan. Saying. I've 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 muted him. Maybe I should block him because he pisses me off. He just keeps showing up and we're like, oh, Taysom, man. Oh, yeah, Taysom has a six. He tweeted at me like 17 seconds before Taysom threw a 68 yard touchdown to Rashid Shahid. We were talking then, about Taysom, and then I'm sure got real quiet. No, 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 no. I I was like, yeah, yeah, you're an idiot. And then he responded to that tweet five times. I've muted him, so I didn't even know until later. He's a moron. Don't don't let take his advice. Anyway, stay away from what's his name. I don't want to give him any more any more. All problems. right, all right. No more airtime for you. No, no. I just I just wanted to point out that he's a moron. Anyway, that's it. I'm in a good mood, so I'm calling people morons on Twitter. That's all. You've been listening to Inside Black and Gold, where I call out a Twitter fantasy uh, advice giver that no one's ever oh. heard of but me. That's it. I'm Jeff Noak. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Noak. Follow Steve at Steve Geller. W-W-L, it's G-E-L-L-E-R, not like Sarah Michelle. No. Um, 
can no check AR. out the latest news at www.com, WWL AM 870 FM 105.3 and always free on the Odyssey app, just like this podcast. Hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts if you'd like. I like hearing from y'all. We finally are up in the uh, up in the top of the list there when you look up New Orleans Saints, which is kind of cool. I appreciate that. Appreciate everyone who's helped make that happen. And uh, yeah, let me know if you want to hear anything. If you would like us to get into any topics this week, it'd be nice to actually talk about a team winning a game. It'd be nice to go through the film for once. But yeah, that's it. All right, Steve, say goodbye. Bye and talk to you soon as Christmas in Cleveland is coming. Christmas in the Cleve. All right, peace, y'all.